0: Hello and welcome to another exciting edition of Taylor Bay Sports with Kevin Taylor. I am your host, Kevin Taylor, coming to you from my hometown, the capital city of Georgia, the ATL, Atlanta. It's the show where we talk sports from Atlanta and around the country as we rock. The sports bell straight from the ATL. Thank you so much for being a part of Taylor May Sports. It's a, another time of the year for the diehard Hard Sport fan. And I'll get to that in a second. But first you know you can always stay in touch with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kevin Taylor98. Again it's Kevin Taylor98. And don't forget about the YouTube channel as well for Taylor May Sports. That's under Taylor Made Sports with Kevin Taylor. So make sure to check me out on social media and always stay in touch with me if you would like to uh, reach out to me. Hey, send me a message or uh, just a little uh, comment on my Facebook page. Hey, it would be great to hear from you there as well. So on this edition of the program, it's a special edition of the show because we're going to talk about college football. So, you know, the diehard Sports fan, no matter if you're into football, basketball, of course, baseball, tennis, track, soccer, I think, Everyone pays attention to college football. It's big business, no doubt about it. It is big business for TV, radio, merchandising, you name it. And especially here in the South, it is a large business, marketing, you name it. College football is where it's at. Of course, we are a hotbed here in the state of Georgia for college football. We've got, um, of course, UGA, Georgia Tech, Georgia State, Georgia Southern, uh, Kennesaw State, we got HBCUs, Clark, Atlanta, Morehouse, Fort Valley State, Albany State. You know, so the list goes on. But at the same time, it is just a wonderful time of the year. You know, the NFL will kick off next week as well. But right now, you know, it's the start of college football season because it's September 1st. You know, it's September 1st. It's when you turn that calendar, you know what time it is, no doubt about it. <laughs> it's no, no greater time this weekend then right here in Atlanta would be the place to be for the Chick-fil-A Kickoff Classic, and it doesn't get any better than this. If you go to the Chick-fil-A Kickoff Classic website, they have on their website, this game is the greatest of all time, the GOAT. That's right, the GOAT. (laughs) Number one, Alabama, will be taking on number three, Florida State, in Atlanta, this weekend, in what I call the house that Arthur Blank built, better known known as Mercedes-Benz Stadium, And uh, here's what you can look for. If you're going to be coming to Atlanta, here's what you can look for on both sides of the ball, for Alabama and Florida State. Jalen Hurts, he won the Alabama quarterback job after coming off the bench in last season, opener against Southern California. Of course, there's no doubt he's the number one man in Tuscaloosa right now. And uh, the sophomore, he's been working with the new offensive coordinator, Brian DeBall. And – Of course, it's been reported that Hurts has improved his drop-back passing ability, so we'll see about that, and it's an area that he struggled with last season. Now, for Florida State quarterback DeAndre Francois, he was sacked 34 times last year, so his offensive line would have to have a stellar performance against dominant Alabama defense for him, of course, to have time to throw the ball. Uh, He has Nikon Murray and uh, Alden Tate. They're the two main receivers. Florida State safety during James would be versatile playing in his first game in nearly a year. Now, besides lining up the safety, the sophomore should see some time at linebacker and on the defensive line, along with being the punt returner as well. So, talk about true versatility. Now, it's also been reported that head coach Jimbo Fisher has thought about playing him some at wide receivers, So, we'll see. It's going to be a great game in this one, and – um you know, I, I I can't really pick a team on this one. I, I, I really can't. You know, the, the the favorite in this one would be Alabama. I don't want to alienate my sister Lisa, who is a Florida State graduate, you know. So, hey, it's going to be a great game. And if you're already in Atlanta, welcome to Atlanta. I know you're having a great time. And uh, if you're not in Atlanta, don't worry. It's a nationally televised game. kick off this Saturday night, 8 o'clock on ABC. All right, now. For the second game, it's not a doubleheader, but it's going to be a a second game here of the Chick fil A kickoff classic over this Liberty weekend. Now, with only a few days to go before the season opener against number 25 Tennessee, Georgia Tech still hasn't revealed who their starting quarterback will be because that's going to be the game on Monday night. Tech is playing right in their own backyard. Here in Atlanta against at number twenty-five Tennessee, the game sold out. Both games, of course, are sold out, which is always great. Chick Fil A they, they do a wonderful job with the Chick Fil A Kickoff classic as well as the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl. Now in the fiftieth year, can you believe that the Chick Fil A Peach Bowl? Wow, you know. And uh, I remember before these corporate sponsorships took over, and it was just the Peach Bowl. And it was always a festive time of the year. Every New Year's Eve, when that game was being played, and uh, thankfully I was able to attend. Um, you know, by doing our radio here in Atlanta. And uh, the the tradition just continues to to live on. And uh, Chick-fil-A has done a marvelous job uh, with what they've been able to do and uh, really just uh, uh, getting a lot of notoriety and a lot of fanfare. And, of course, the national championship game will be played in Atlanta in January, January 8th, as a matter of fact. So uh, a lot of of great major sporting events coming to Atlanta this weekend just really just, Kicks it all off But going back to the game though (laughs) Got away from there for a minute Okay, Georgia Tech, we be playing number 25 Tennessee right here in Mercedes-Benz Stadium In Atlanta, but uh, let's hear From head coach Paul Johnson Who spoke to the media earlier this week About Not revealing who his starting quarterback Would be and who it may be
1: Not going to be much louder than Clemson Or Blacksburg or Those places, so uh, you, You know we're always prepared for that. We can always go on the silent count. We can we can do those things if we have to. I would hope that we wouldn't have to do that at home.
0: Jeff, as you prepare for this first game, just talk about the quarterback position, how confident you are, and also, you know, maybe swing time with guys that might be option.
1: Well, I'm confident we're going to have one. The uh, I think we're going to play the guy that that right now has had the. The, the best practice and played the best and gives us the best chance to win. Uh, and then we'll evaluate from there. It's like I said, we'll see how it's going, and if we need to play another one, we will. Uh, if the one guy's playing well and getting it done, we'll leave him in there and and he'll play. So uh, I wish I had the depth at every position that we have at quarterback. That That's not – I can promise you I'm worried a lot more about a zillion positions than I am quarterback, just from a depth standpoint and if a guy goes down or, or what happens. Uh, now, will they be nervous? I don't know. I mean, was Matthew didn't play nervous last year when he had to go play at Virginia Tech. So who knows? Different kids are different.
0: That is true. Now, the first part of that comment from Coach Johnson was about playing for the first time inside Mercedes-Benz Stadium and the crowd noise uh, that may be, of course, projected uh, when uh, Tech has the ball and they may have to uh, go to the silent count. Uh, Of course, from the Tennessee fans who may try to disrupt the count for uh, Georgia Tech, that is. And, of course, the second part of that was about – Um, naming a starting quarterback. And he mentioned about uh, Matthew. That's junior quarterback Matthew Jordan. He's the most experienced of the four candidates who battled through spring and into the preseason for the chance to replace three-year starter Justin Thomas, of course, at the most important position of their triple option offense. Now, of course, Coach Johnson has settled on a starting B-back, though. Now, this position suddenly came open a couple of weeks ago when top running Back, Dedrick Mills was actually dismissed from the team for violating the athletic department rules, so that was a big loss there. Sophomore uh, Carvante Benson, who has never carried the ball in a college game, beat out Kwande uh, Rosmestrick and Jerry Howard, as well as Jordan Ponchez uh, Mason, for the starting running back position. Now, uh, with all this being said, it's going to be diff- difficult to uh, replace Dedrick Mills. Uh, he was a dynamic player uh, With the MVP of the TaxSlayer Bowl And uh, that actually turned out to be his final college Game right now uh, Georgia Tech has also lost his second leading rusher Marcus Marshall If he decided to transfer at the end of last season well, It looked as if he would Be stuck behind Mills on the depth chart So he wanted some more carries And you know he left uh, The program But um, Johnson He also is yet to name a starting kicker either Freshman Brenton King was recruited to take, to take over for four-year starter Harrison Buckner. The sophomore Sean Davis is probably maybe gonna get that done. So Coach Johnson, like you said, he, you know, he has some other positions that he really has to think about. Now, if it comes down to field position, the punting job, that's already been decided. Freshman Presley Harvin, the third, he got the spot over red, red shirt, freshman Shea Underwood. Now. For everyone from old Rocky Town, Knoxville, Tennessee, <laughs> got a family up in K-Town, as they call it. So, a lot of people coming down from K-Town to the A-Town. Uh, Tennessee's defense has spent the offseason, of course, just honing in on the importance of preventing the long runs that they allowed to often late last season. Now, the defense will learn exactly how far it's come in that regard on Monday. When the Volunteers face Georgia Tech in their high triple-option offense that strives on creating big plays, tremendous rushing attack, no doubt about that. Now, Tennessee, to give you a little background information, they split its final eight games last year as a 5-0 start, in part because they were just decimated by injuries on the defense. They gave up too many breakaway plays, and Tennessee allowed nine runs from scrimmage. to at least get this, 40 yards eight in the last eight games of the season, and six carries of at least 60 yards. That's, ooh, that is, that is a lot, to say, at least. Now, no FBS, uh, that's a football bowl subdivision team, allowed more rushes of 60-plus yards, and that's according to CFBstats.com. Now, if Tennessee's run defense remains, uh, you know, susceptible to those big plays, takes triple option attack, well, you know, this is not going to be an ideal matchup for sure. The Jackets had 13 carries of 30, uh, of I'm sorry, 40 plus yards last season, and they're tied for most of any Power Five program. Now, the only FBS teams with more runs from scrimmage, at least 40 yards, were New Mexico, Navy, and South Florida. Can you believe that? Yeah, not one of your top tier teams, right? Now, Georgia Tech, of course, they're missing some of their big play threats from last season, like I told you, Justin Thomas starting quarterback for the last three seasons. Uh, of course, he completed his college career. Uh, Dedrick Mills, like I told you, he's no longer with the team. But Georgia Tech, hey, their big playability is really still a part of the niche on offense. Now, Tennessee coaches have continually reminded their players about the dangers of a single missed assignment. Now, Tennessee's already uh, getting... You know, it's a little bit of bad news uh, this season. Darren uh, Kirkland, Jr., the Volunteers' top linebacker, he underwent meniscus surgery this, this week, and he will miss the Tech game. Uh, but uh, it's not a time for him as to win. He will return. So, uh, you know, Mike, uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, you're going to have some, some other guys who maybe uh, take over at the linebacker position in Kirkland's absence. Now, with all those injuries last season, it actually boosted the depth chart you know, for the Tennessee defense because so many players were forced into playing time to see what they could do. Now, Tennessee's roster features 17 defensive players who started at least one game last season, including nine guys who made at least four starts. Now, let's hear from Tennessee head coach Butch Jones about facing Georgia Tech and their offense coming up on Monday night. It should be a good one, though. But, Coach, what do you think? Sure. Well,
2: obviously, we're very excited to finally be in game week. However, for us, there's still a lot of preparation to be done. But it's a tremendous opportunity for our football team and our football program to play against a very good football team and a great environment and great stadium. And I know we're looking forward to it. But our overall discipline, our discipline to execute, our focus, our leadership will be challenged on each and every snap. Uh, I believe the key to this game, obviously, is to be able to play complementary football. And as we know, first games are always the game of the unknown. So, again, we have to have a great week of preparation. I thought we've had a very productive training camp. And uh, it's going to take everyone to have the ability to execute with discipline and focus on their assignment and just do their job. You know, there is a method to it. You you have to practice. And we always say you have to get in the deep end of the pool to learn how to swim. So we've been practicing that, and I think it's a mentality. Obviously, they're very, very good at it. They work on it every day. So we've tried to work on it every day and try to simulate that. If it's not scout teams, it's in individual drills. uh, And we've been working on it since since training camp started, but also throughout the course of spring as well. But, you know, the, the biggest thing, I think the biggest challenge for us is being able to simulate the game speed repetitions that their offense brings about. But everyone wants to talk about their offense, and rightfully so, but they're very, very talented on defense. And, you know, they follow the same type of format on formula for winning defensively as they do offensively. They're a team that doesn't give up very big uh, plays. Uh, they tackle exceptionally well. And they play great team defense And they all work together So this is a complete football team That that we're going to face Monday night
0: All right, it should be a good game Between Georgia Tech and Tennessee And of course those players uh, You know that I talked about earlier They've learned their lessons from last season Know that about that And we'll see if that's the case coming up It's kickoff on Monday night It's 8 o'clock on ESPN And you know what? I'm going to be there to watch it live. That's right, covering it for the next edition of Made Sports with Kevin Taylor. Now, another game, speaking of watching a game live, was uh, this past Thursday night at the new Georgia State Stadium that used to be Field, home of the Braves, and before that it was the Olympic Stadium during the 1996 Olympics, Summer Olympic Games. But now Georgia State, they've taken it over and reconfigured it, and a uh, beautiful stadium, beautiful beautiful turf uh, looks, looks great. And uh, they uh, played their first game this past Thursday in front of a sellout crowd of 24,333, but Georgia state lost the home of season opener 17 to 10. Yes. They came up short. It was Tennessee state's first ever win over an FBS opponent. Can you believe that? After the game, the Panthers head coach, Sean Elliott said it was a terrible performance by his team and I would have to agree, and let me tell you why. The Panthers' defense looked uninspired for three quarters with TSU being able to run on them, especially up the middle. The, uh, the Tigers were led in rushing by quarterback uh, Treon Harris, who had 91 yards and 11 carries. It was 12-25, 145 yards passing. TSU finished with a total yards on the night of 385. The Panthers' offense definitely needs work as well quarterback Connor Manning played well, completed 14 of 17 passes, 159 yards. But according to Coach Elliott, he had to leave the game because of a concussion. Manning's backup Aaron Winchester was 4 of 6 for 65 yards with a touchdown pass, but the running game was woo, non-existent, to say at least. It was basically shut down by a good TSU defense, only accumulating, can you get this, 49 yards for the entire game. Yeah, you heard me right, 49 yards. Mm. GSU finished with 273 total yards of offense on the night. GSU turned the ball over four times, while TSU had no turnovers. Time of possession was also one-sided. TSU had the ball for basically 35 minutes, 34 minutes, 59 seconds, to be exact, compared to 25 minutes, one second for GSU. Yeah. It doesn't get any... Easier for Georgia State as they now travel to face number six Penn State after a week off coming up on September 16th. Yeah. All right, Georgia fans, we're going to get to you now here on May's Sports with Kevin Taylor. I didn't forget about you. Players have been reminded that Appalachian State, who is the season opener for Georgia in Athens on Saturday, they pulled off an upset win before, such as 10 years ago against Michigan and nearly won last year against Tennessee. But the Bulldogs aren't taking anything lightly, though. Of course, the Dogs are led by quarterback Jacob Beeson and running backs Nick Chubb and Soda Michelle. As they'll be returning to, of course, increase, uh, you know, what they've already set upon on the Georgia offense uh, in their years there. But uh, let's now hear from second-year head coach Kirby Smart about this game coming up on Saturday. Yeah, we're excited
2: to have a big home opener against App State, who's proven to be a um, uh, great uh Great uh, winning culture up there with Coach Satterfield, and we're really excited uh, to get back out and, and go play. Um, a lot of kids that played last year are coming back for us, as well as them. You know, they return 14 to 15 starters, very similar to the fact that we do, and um, we're anticipating a, a great turnout from our fan base
0: and uh, an exciting atmosphere. I think it will be kickoff at the 6-15, and uh, you can watch the game on ESPN. All right. It's Taylor Made Sports with Kevin Taylor as we are doing a college football preview and recap edition on this week's program. All right. I'm so glad to have you along as well because college football here in the South, not only Atlanta, but to say the least, is big. And Clark, Atlanta, we're gonna talk about the AU Center here. They won their season opener this past Thursday night as Carlos Saldana hit an extra point put Clark Atlanta in overtime, then won the game with a 44 yard field goal to give Clark Atlanta a 32-29 win over Mississippi College this past Thursday. Mississippi College had they erased a the 22-14 halftime deficit midway through the third quarter with an 18-yard touchdown run and then caught it past two, converted two-point conversion and tied the game at 22. But Clark Atlanta quarterback Jonathan McCrary, he took over driving the Panthers downfield to put Clark Atlanta in prime position with one twelve 12 remaining, McQuarrie hit Jonathan Sanders and then DeAndre Jackson to get the ball to the Mississippi College six-yard line. Then Mississippi College, they were called on a pass interference, and they took the ball to the two-yard line. And uh, it took McQuarrie two runs of the middle, the final one with time running out to tie the game at 29. So Donald then calmly hit the extra point to put the game into overtime. Mississippi College got the ball in the first session of the overtime, and, uh, well, first possession, rather, of the overtime, picking up one first down and ultimately setting up Greg uh, Nichols for a 43-yard field goal attempt, but it was short. Then after the uh, CAU drive came up short, that stalled out, so Donald lined up for a 44-yard field goal, and, of course, with no problem, calmly kicked it for the game winner. So congratulations to CAU winning their first game. And uh, McCrary, the SIEC's preseason offensive player of the year, finished with 253 yards and two touchdowns, of course, through the air, and 48 yards and two touchdowns on the ground to lead the Panthers. Kenneth Morgan led CAU with 11 tackles, nine of them unassisted. Keith Harrison added nine stops, while Terrence Kelly had three key tackles in overtime, and uh, he had seven tackles and a sack overall. Clark Atlanta. They open up the SIAC conference play of their schedule coming up a week from Saturday on September 9th when they host Central State. All right, now we're going to move just up the road, just north of Atlanta to Kennesaw. Kennesaw State, they were actually over in Birmingham, Alabama, taking on Sanford. Junior running back Jake McKenzie rushed for a career-high two touchdowns and three and three for one more as Kennesaw State rolled up. Can you get this? Check this out. Check out this number here, 545 yards of offense. Can you believe that? heard <laughs> of, but it wasn't enough. No, it was not enough. As the Owls dropped a missed opportunity to win this game, 28-23, over number 19, Sanford, and they was seen an opener. McKenzie of Monroeville, Alabama, he accounted for the Owls' three touchdowns, including a 27 Yard pass to sophomore running back T.J. Reed late in the fourth quarter to pull the Owls within 28-23, but the Bulldogs held off a late fourth-quarter rally to survive the night. McKenzie finished the night with 400—I'm uh, sorry, 48 yards on the ground and 16 carries, and one for two in the air for 27 yards and a score. Wow! After the three-hour rain delay, they had to endure at halftime because, of course, from uh, tropical storm, tropical depression, Harvey, those um, uh, rain bands were coming in and uh, creating uh, just some treacherous weather there in Alabama as it makes its way north. Uh, after that uh, delay, Sanford scored 14 unanswered points to turn a 10-7 deficit into a 21-10 advantage over Kennesaw State, heading to, of course, the fourth quarter. Trailing by 11, Owls Jr. Uh, defensive back uh, team Rawls turned it a key play on special teams by blocking in the Bulldogs territory to allow McKenzie and the Owls' offense to pull within 21-17 with 10.49 remaining. Now, the KSU defense was strong, honing Sanford to just 95 yards, 67 passing, 28 rushing in the first half. The Kennesaw State's offense controlled the clock, holding the ball for him uh, just under twenty minutes of the possible thirty minutes over the final two quarters. Now at Kennesaw State, they total three hundred and thirty yards, including two hundred and five on the ground. Sophomore running back Bronson Rick Rick Steiner. And uh just in case you may not know that name or it may that name may sound familiar just slightly, that's Rick Steiner's son. Now if you follow wrestling like I did as a child, you remember the Steiner brothers. Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner. That's Rick Steiner's son. So, Brandon Bronson Rick Steiner, uh, he actually got a game high 64 rushing yards on nine carries. And uh, he actually had 55 yards on seven carries in the first half. Rick Steiner, of course, from Ackworth, he had actually a career best of 73 yards on two catches and 137 all purpose yards. I know Rick Steiner is so proud of his son. <laughs> brothers of the WCW back in the day. But uh, hey, I'm pretty sure the was very proud of me, no doubt about that. Junior quarterback Chandler Burks threw a career high of two hundred and twenty five yards. He was ten of twenty two in his passing attempts. And junior wide receiver Justin Sumter, he actually had eighty six yards on three catches as well. Senior linebacker Izzy Sam left is a effort. he had ten tackles, eight solo, one shot at time his single game career. Best and uh, Bryson Armstrong had seven tackles, five of them were solo, and recovered a fumble and got his first career interception as well. So, um, hey, they played very well. just like I said, it came up just a little bit short. Kennesaw State outgained Sanford 545 to 311 in total yards and still lost, including a decisive 293 to 70 advantage in rushing. Wow. KSU totaled 23 first downs and held the ball for. Just over 36 minutes. Talk about being one-sided in a losing effort. The Owls return to action next Saturday, hosting Tennessee Tech at Fifth Third Bank Stadium. Kickoff is set for 7 o'clock. Also, Morehouse College they played their season opener on the road against Arkansas Pine Bluff. Kickoff is at 7 p.m. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of TaylorMade Sports with Kevin Taylor, the college football preview and recap edition. But before we go, we want to make sure that we extend you know, our thoughts with those who are affected by Hurricane Harvey in the Houston area, as well as southeast Texas and also even Louisiana. So please make sure that you can do what you can to try to help those who are in desperate need. And uh, we here at Made Sports with Kevin Taylor, are going to definitely keep them in our thoughts and prayers as well. All right, coming up on the next edition of Taylor Make Sports with Kevin Taylor. Hey, we're going to talk about the NFL, the Atlanta Falcons, as they get ready for their regular season. Also, the Atlanta Braves and what they're doing with their young talent. So still a lot to talk about coming up as well as college football on the next edition of the program as well. And don't forget, you can reach out to me on social media one more time, Kevin Taylor 98 on Facebook, Twitter, And Instagram at the YouTube channel Taylor Makes Voice with Kevin Taylor. Never be discouraged. Always encouraged, my friends. Until the next time, I'm out.